As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 217 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, Justin Ruggiano hit 217 for the 2017 Giants. Have you visited the 2017 Giants page on Baseball Reference lately? Uh, um, what? Why? Yet? Yeah. No. I, no, I cannot. I cannot credibly lie. Um, I have not. What, 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 what wonders can I find there? It is wild. It's a blast from the past, and it's only five years ago. It's Aaron Hill, Drew Stubbs, Carlos Moncrief, Chris Marrero, Ty Block was third. Uh, he led the team in starts. Uh, you had Brian Morris, Dan Slania. We cared about all these people at one. What was our job to explain these players to, to people? It was five years ago. I just look at the page, and one thing that's kind of funny to do is to look at the page, and it says, like, the top 12 players by war, and you see all their mugshots lined up. And then aside from just going, I remember that guy, I remember that guy, you also see that the mugshots are sometimes not as giants. So it's like, there's Ty Block as a Rocky. There's Hunter Strickland as a Red. There's Joe Panic as a Marlin. There's Chris Stratton as a Pirate. It's almost like you're looking at, like, a non-all-star all-star team. Oh, there's and there's Corey Gear in the Twin. If you offered me $100 to recognize Corey Guerin for whatever reason, I, I don't know if it's just he didn't have the long hair or not, but I didn't remember all on Twins. I don't know. It's wild. 2017 Giants. Do yourself a favor. Look at that baseball reference page. It, uh, a lot of baseball, a lot of life has happened in the past five years, I think. Yeah. And Corey Guerin has moved on to be a professional. Um, uh, I think he's working on being a sort of like life coach and he's doing uh, some like long Twitter threads that are interesting. Um, and he's got a lot, uh, a lot of interesting uh, ideas, and and yeah, he's he's uh, he seems to be a very life coachy kind of guy. So I I, I follow him uh, and and enjoy enjoy uh, his thoughts. Have I told my uh, Corey Guerin tipping pitches story on on this podcast? I'm not sure you have. 
I got a tip that uh, Corey Guerin was tipping his pitches, uh, that he was holding his glove up and uh, when it was a fastball and pointing it down for when it was a breaking ball, something like that. Something that you watch the video and it was not ambiguous. It was holy shnikey. Uh, so this was when I was doing McCovey Chronicles. So my journalistic ethics uh, allowed me to just get through back channels to him and say, hey, cut it out. And then he cut it out. Really? So you helped Corey Guerin not tip his pitches? I helped Corey Guerin not tip his pitches. And that was probably 2017. So look, it's, we, we've all come full circle. And if he's fifth in the Giants in war, I get some of those war. You do. I think some of those wars belong to you. And, um, uh, and, and I do think it's kind of meta that someone tipped you to a pitcher tipping pitches. That, ooh, that is meta. Yeah, he was worth 2.4 war that year. I get 0.4. I am now officially <laughs> point for war. Uh, but we are most definitely not here to talk about the 2017 Giants. We are here to talk about the 2022 Giants who are uh, rolling. Uh, they are they hold the tiebreaker in the postseason chase. They're definitely going to uh, be a part of the next great Phillies collapse. Uh, let's go. Let's freaking go. I would like to welcome back the five listeners who have decided <laughs> to jump back in with both feet and, and listen to the podcast again now that the Giants have an honest-to-goodness, somewhat logical potential chance. That's astronomical still, but, you know, I mean, can see with the naked eye astronomical. The Giants are one of the weirdest teams I have ever watched in that uh, they are so streaky. I mean, baseball teams, you win two, you lose two, whatever. The Giants, they rarely have a single result. They lost, uh, let's see, they lost a game on September 24th. It was not followed by another loss. Uh, they have these interspersed, it's like a little archipelago of single game results, whether win or, or loss. And then they're surrounded by five game losing streak, four game winning streak, five game losing streak. It, it, it's bizarre. I've never followed a team like this. And yet, you know, the month to month is not crazy. I mean, they were 13 and 14 in May. They were 13 and 13 in June. Uh, six under in July, seven under in August, and now six over in September. And I, I think it's just a function of, you know, the fact that they get a pretty credible starting pitching performance almost every day, even now that they're in bullpen games and the bullpen is pitching better. Um, and when you're in it every day, uh, you have a chance to put a streak together. And I think the fact the offense has been super streaky and their defensive play has has really come in, in good and bad waves. And, and that's probably the reason that they've, you know, they've looked like world beaters one week and then they look like they can't get out of their own way the next. And, you know, it, it is it is kind of crazy to think that, you know, the stat has been brought up a few times that, well, they're 5-11 and 11 against the Padres, they're 4-15 and 15 against the Dodgers. I mean, you throw those out, that's, what, 9 and, and 26? And they've got a winning record by, by quite a bit. Um, you know, they're like almost 15 games over. So um, I, I don't know if that maybe portends some good things for next year's schedule when they play those teams 12 times instead of 18 or 19, or or if it just means that they just happen to play their worst baseball against uh, teams you really can't make mistakes against. Um, I don't know. It's But it, you, you look at this team and you realize they're not far off from being a playoff team. They really aren't. And uh, it's I know it's been a distressing year, but they're, they're right on league average in terms of runs scored per game. They're right on league average in terms of runs allowed. Uh, you, they just need a, a little bit of a push and um, and they could they could be one of the better teams in the National League. People like to yell at us in the comments of our articles saying that we are homers, that we are stenographers, that we have, uh, I don't know why they do this. I feel like I'm uh, appropriately critical when it calls for it. But at the same time, I think it is fair to say 
This team should not be 77 and 78. Uh, Their Pythagorean is 79 and 76. Closer to what I feel the true talent of this team should be, I don't feel like this is a team that should have been dead in early August. It just feels like, yeah, maybe they weren't one of the the postseason teams uh, by merit, but I don't feel like they were as bad as, like they played against the Dodgers. I don't feel like they were that awful. Yeah, and I think if if it's been a tough watch for folks, it's probably because, you know, you want that star power and you, you, you get a little weary of all the different mixes and matches, um, and, and they can be tough to watch. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there are, I think, a few compelling people this year. I think Carlos Rodon has been extraordinarily compelling. Um, I think, you know, Logan Webb has been compelling. Um, you know, when Luis Gonzalez was hitting early in the year, that was fun to watch. Um, but, yeah, I mean, clearly they need to do more. Clearly they have the resources to do more. Um, but overall, I mean, it's not like this team has been unwatchable all season. Just in terms of, like, you know, being like, uh, you know, the Pirates or, or, or the Tigers when they just could not score for three months, you know, and, and you were getting one and a half runs every single game. I mean, you know, it's it's been, they, they've been okay. They, they've been kind of okay, and they haven't been okay for long enough to, to put together enough wins. But um, I think the baseline for where they start next season is is probably not as dire a place as, as we tend to think it is. Uh, I have used the adjective unwatchable often, and I would like to walk that back just a little bit because when you start with Logan Webb and Carlos Rodon, that is 40% of your games guaranteed watchable. Uh, maybe they have a blow-up start or something like that, and, and you're out of out of it in a couple of innings, but 40% of your rotation, and, and this is giving Alex Cobb short shrift because I think he's been excellent this year, you have a watchable baseball, and maybe they're not hitting as much as they were last year, and, and the platoons are hard to, to get into and the bullpen's been frustrating, but 40% of your games and all up to 60, uh, you want to say, okay, yeah, I want to watch this guy pitch. Yeah, I agree. I think the Diamondbacks could say the same thing with uh, Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallen, Mm -hmm. Um, or or the Phillies could say that about Aaron Nola and uh, who's their second best pitcher? Um, Zach Wheeler. There we go. Hey, he's good. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's uh, there's almost uh, in the same boat. The National League, you've got, you've got Woodruff and Burns with, with the um, with the, the Brewers. And it's it's almost like all these teams are in the same or similar boat in that they all have two really good starting pitchers. And that means that all of them could be a little bit dangerous in a playoff series when you've got really good pitching uh, if you're able to line them up. And, um, you know, it's it just shows that I think the Giants just need to have a little more power, a little more offense next season, and obviously they have to clean up the defense. And if they address those things, um, then you know I think they can probably credibly say that they can expect to contend next season. Uh, I didn't realize it until you said it out loud, but Woodruff and Burns, that sounds like a funeral home. Ooh, Woodruff and Burns, or, or a, um, an ambulance chasing law, law service. Yeah, I think it needs one more for uh, Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta. It's pretty good. Uh, a CPA, maybe? Uh, I, I don't know. Woodruff and Burns. I got I to gotta room it in on that. Uh, one of the things about the Giants being unwatchable, and I just found this right now in the podcast, and I have to share. They have allowed to, uh, as of this recording, 664 runs. 99 of them have been against the Dodgers. That can color the thinking. When one out of every six runs, seven runs is against the Dodgers, as a Giants fan, it's kind of unpalatable. Wow. Yeah, it sure is. And, um, you know, they even found a way to throw a shutout at Coors Field this year. Um, they've, they've, been, <laughs> they've been pretty good. At, they're great at home run suppression. They're great at getting ground balls. Uh, they're great at, um, you know, limiting hard contact. Uh, and against the Dodgers, it's been, it's been a struggle. And it is, I think... 
We tend to think it's been just a huge plummet of a fall because they won 107 games last year, but their true record last year was probably more like, you know, 95 games, which is nothing to sniff at. But, um, you know, it just seems like they've fallen further than, than maybe they really have in terms of true talent level. So we're not going to have a regular recording schedule during the offseason. We never do. Uh, so we should probably just start talking a little bit about that future as far as uh, what sh- do you think the offseason priorities are? I mean, I know that we've talked about everyday players and you know that the bullpen needs some adjustments. But is it replacing Carlos Rodon? Is it uh, is it getting that superstar? Is it just getting a guy who can be in the lineup? You are. Congratulations. You're the new GM. Uh, what are you doing first? Um, Aaron Cornelius Judge. Yeah. Is, that, is that his middle name? I don't know. It's, what is uh, his middle name? James, I think. Oh, that's so boring. <laughs> we got to give him a better one. Uh, he's not uh, for as electric as he is on a baseball field. He he doesn't. There's not a lot of razzle dazzle uh, around the aura of Aaron Judge. Well, that's why we create it. We're, we're the uh, we're the we're the story creators. We're the narrative guys. That's what we do. So there is on the other podcast on on uh, Roundtable. They have nicknames for him on Baseball Reference, and they are weird. Uh, B A J is one of the nicknames for Aaron Judge. Badge, B-A-J, and there's no explanation. His name is Aaron James Judge. I, I don't get it. So, yes, B-A-J, let's get him. Pablo Sandoval has, like, little money and round mound of pound. It's like, no one ever called him any of those things. So I, I'm not sure who the curator of, of nicknames on Baseball References, is, but I feel like I feel like they like they stick something in there that maybe someone said once and, and they never bother to really fact check it. Or, or I love Baseball Reference, but that's the one thing that I'm like, nope. Out of uh, this is not uh, accurate information. Clean it up, Sean Foreman. Yes, clean up the nickname section, please. Uh, they had for a while there, uh, and this is uh, you can probably guess why they removed it. They had Fat Ichiro for Pablo Sandoval. Do you, do you remember that? <laughs> I do remember that. I'm like, what? No one's called him that. I, like, I, I think like Ray Woodson called him that on on uh, Sports Phone 680 one time, and that was it. And it's, somehow that ended up on his baseball reference page. Man, so. you cannot put on baseball reference a nickname you would not say to the guy in polite conversation. Come on. I will, I will say that Lance Berkman's nickname was Fat Elvis, and, and that was pretty good. And he also hated that, but it was just so good you couldn't deny it. Okay, that is pretty good. That is pretty good. All right, but uh, so what is did we? So Aaron Judge is gonna be your target now that you're the GM. Congratulations, by the way. Uh, I'm very happy for you. Thank you. I want to raise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, do you think I saw that ESPN said that uh, they pulled some insiders in one of those uh, pull the insider kind of pieces, and they had three of the nine respondents say Giants. What are what are the odds? Give me some odds. I I put the odds at five percent. You know, I think that's probably realistic. I I would maybe go ten percent. I I just it's going to be a real upset if he doesn't re-sign with the Yankees. And all of us are talking about it like we know what's happening. We don't. We don't know what's happening. I mean, he turned down two hundred and change, and it's probably going to take it's probably going to take four hundred million to sign him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I how would you not uh, feel like you're out of line or out of touch to to ask for? 400 million over 10 years. I mean, I, I, I think that that's probably what he's going to get. And if you're the Giants and you think it's really going to be a value add uh, that'll make it worth it, um, you know, for, for now and, and for maybe the first couple of years of that contract, and then you just deal with the pain later. Um, I mean, there's no question they would capture the marketplace with Aaron Judge. People would tune in to watch the Giants and they would pay 
you know, tickets, uh, pay money for tickets to watch Aaron Judge uh, play. Uh, and and maybe they that's what has to happen. Maybe that's the big piece of furniture they have to put in the room. And they say, damn the torpedoes and, and go for it. Well, they could, and the Yankees could just say, one dollar more, and you're coming back. And, uh, and Or maybe he doesn't want to leave. You know, it's... Uh, um, but I, I do think that the Giants are probably the only team that has a shot at him. Just like the Dodgers were the only team that really had a shot at Freddie Freeman. And the whole time everyone thought that Freeman was coming back. And, and obviously agents can get in the way. Um, you know, uh, people can have, there can be other people who have influence. There's family considerations. You know, there's all kinds of things that go into it um, that we don't know about. But I, I just think that if you're hope, a hopeful Giants fan, you're looking at the Freddie Freeman situation as probably the source of your hope because the Dodgers weren't supposed to sign him. He was supposed to go back to the Braves. He's from, I think, Fountain Valley in, in, uh, in Orange County. So, you know, he was playing at home. Uh, that was the one team that really could pry him away. And I think the Giants are that one team. And now it's just a matter of what does he want and, and what, what are the offers going to be? Yeah, I, I go back and forth. I think Freddie Freeman's a great comp because the, there was a, that kind of regional a, attraction and it was the one team that could take him. I keep, I, like, I can't get that he was a big Rich Aurelia fan out of my mind. I think that's hilarious. I think that's just <laughs> the perfect spice to add to this. It is, like, he's hit 61 home runs and he's a pending free agent and he happens to be a Rich Aurelia stand. That is the funniest. That is his chef's kiss. But it's how much when you're making this huge life decision, how much does your hometown team matter when you're 30, about to be 31 years old? Like he's not going to it's not like he's going home and he's going to hang out in Linden, right? He's not going to just like move and buy a big house in Linden outside of Stockton. Um, I I was looking up restaurants in Linden just to kind of name drop. And there's a a business called Jerky For You that gets 4.9 stars on Google. Uh, I have to check out Jerky For You. Are you a Jerky fan? Uh, you know, I every time that I uh, am driving someplace uh, fairly rural and it has a, a sign that says jerky, I am always tempted to stop and I never have. But I should. Uh, I, I should. Uh, the sign on uh, Google Maps, uh, alligator, ostrich, beef, buffalo, venison, elk. Uh, their motto is it's really, really good. And I, I believe them. Where do you find alligator? Where do you find fresh alligator you can turn into jerky in California? You want an alligator? I can get you an alligator by noon with nail polish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know a guy who knows a guy. Yeah, I don't know. That is it. it but now we're off track. I'm just saying, uh, how much does Aaron Judge really care about going back to the Bay Area when he's not going to be living in his hometown? He's going to be in like Stockton is close geographically to San Francisco, but it's not San Francisco. It's I don't know. Well, um, I will say that uh, I think last time I drove out to Stockton to see um, the single A team, the San Jose team. Uh, it, it felt like I was driving to Reno. I mean, it was it, the traffic was so bad. I was yeah. in the car for like two and a half hours, um, and I thought, hmm, yeah, that, that this is why there's a big mental boundary between me and anything uh, on, on the other side of um, uh, I, I don't know I five or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, you're right. It, it is another world away, and it, it is kind of interesting. I'll, I'll, when I go out to my car after the games, I, I pass right by the Hotel Via and. Um, uh, I'll, I'll always run into uh, like the the Logan Webb party. You know, his dad, his uncle, 
all of his cousins and everybody, and and they'll stay at the hotel sometimes. They'll come to watch him pitch, and and they don't want to drive back right after the game, uh, so they'll just uh, you know make a night of it, and 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 they're always having a good time. But uh, I think I think a lot of families will do that. You know, for people who live out in Sacramento, I'm sure maybe J.D. Davis's family has done that as well, because um, it's it's a it's a haul. I have a brother who lives in Davis, and I don't see him very often because it's just uh, it's just too hard to get back and forth. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, maybe it's a personal experience. Maybe it's my own personal bias because when I think of Logan Webb and I think of Rockland or when I think of uh, uh, Sam Long and Fair Oaks, to me, that is uh, close. That is in the neighborhood to me because uh, I have family up there and I do see them somewhat regularly or at least, you know, we're in communication. So to me, I just have a mental block with Stockton. The only experience I have with Stockton is uh, that's where I got my first round of of the uh, COVID vaccine because that's where they had spaces. And I'm, you know, in the East Bay and it's a 45 minute to an hour jaunt over. And I was able to get the vaccine uh, with uh, when I wanted to. And so that's my only experience there. And so I just it's a mental block for me. You know, it's funny. My, I got I was able to get my first appointment in May of 2021 at the Pleasanton uh, Fairgrounds. So I had to drive all the way from and I live on the peninsula. So that was quite a haul for me to get to the, the fairgrounds there. But I was I was driving through and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm in Brandon Crawford land right now. That uh, you were like a pebble on the pebble or grain of sand in the ocean of sound that I hear as I'm recording this podcast. You drove past my house. I'm close enough to the freeway where you contributed to the to the ocean of sound that I hear. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Is that white noise, pink noise, or brown noise? I forget. Yeah, I, I'll go with white. That sounds more pleasant. Uh, okay. All right. So you are, uh, con- seriously though, I, I can't say congratulations that you're the new GM under Farhan Zaidi, uh, uh, re- replacing Scott Harris. I uh, can't say congratulations enough, but you can't get Aaron Judge. So now, uh, what do you do? Do you pivot to Trey Turner? Is it feels like if you're going to give a silly contract out, it's got to be judge or bust at this point. I think if they can't sign Aaron Judge, I just don't know if any of the other free agents are going to be like, you know, clap your hands together and say, nice offseason, fellas, sign one guy and it solves all your problems. I don't think that's going to be true for anybody. But I think they could sign Aaron Judge and no matter what else they did, they would have, quote unquote, won the offseason. I don't know if there's any other free agent that would allow them to say that or, or give people that feeling. But, and this is maybe where they can make the biggest impact with a trade. You know, maybe they uh, have an evaluation on Marco Luciano that he's not going to be an impact player or that, or that you know, he's going to be a left fielder or he's not going to fit. And they make the decision to trade him as part of a big deal. And you floated an, another potential name they could trade that um, you risk probably personal injury to yourself by by writing a whole article about this, uh, and that was Camilo Duvall. And yet, reading it, I'm like, 
you know, the guy's not wacky. Yeah, as the kids say, uh, they're dragging my ass in the quote tweets. Uh, People hated this idea and I don't blame him. And I listen, I I played into it a little bit. I know it's not a popular idea. He is one of uh, he is one of the most watchable. Uh, He seems like a cool cat, like he's got something that you don't see very often. I just you can't build around relievers. You just can't. Relievers are things you have. It's the last piece of the puzzle. It's not the the, the one true ring to rule them all that you hold on to and, and you save my precious, my precious. I just, if you're going to try and fix the Giants and get them back to the postseason, a Camilo Duvall is someone you spend prospects for at the deadline. Someone who's pitching well. You don't even have to get a Duvall. You get someone like David Robertson or something. A guy who's having a nice season, who seems to be healthy. I just think keeping Duvall with this team is almost the same as trading prospects for him in a weird kind of reverse way. So Duvall is kind of like a chainsaw when you really need a hammer. And um, and you can kind of do the job with a hammer, and now you can trade the chainsaw for, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, some other piece of... Uh, <laughs> Where did I go with this analogy? I went so wrong. Oh, I like it. I like it. No, I, 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 but it's it's true. It's you have a lot. It's a flawed roster. There is a way. And if I'm going to dumb it down, make an elevator pitch out of it, you can make a better 26 man roster by making this one spot worse. I truly believe that. And I I go back to uh, Ken Giles. Ken Giles was as dominant as dominant could be. And uh, he is now a Giants legend because he was picked up and released just a, a couple weeks ago. And that's the life of a high velocity, uh, volatile reliever. He had two great years with the Phillies. Then he had uh, struggled with a little bit with the Astros, had one more good year. And then poof, he's not the same Ken Giles that he was. I, I, I'm not predicting that for Duvall. I just don't want to if I'm a GM, I'm not making a reliever a foundational piece and all offers are on the table. So I think to get people to buy into your idea or to um, sort of head nod a little bit, do you have to present them with a couple of potential uh, trades? Like if you could get X or if you could get Y, have you thought about um, maybe who some of those players might be? I haven't because that would that sounds like extra work. Uh, but, <laughs> but seriously, it's like okay. So for example, uh, I'm, I'm just picking this off. I I haven't really dug into this. But the Braves, you are the Braves, and you are going to be contending forever, apparently. And you have uh, you have Ozzie Alpes, you have uh, Michael Harris you've locked up, Ronald Acuna. Uh, you have a lot of these pieces in place. What are you going to do with Vaughn Grissom? You know, like, is he is he someone that you're going to build around over Albies? What are you going to do with Albies if you build around Grissom? You have these major league ready pieces and you're messing around with Kenley Jansen, who's driving the, the Braves fans nuts. I don't know. Maybe there's something there. Maybe there's a, a swap where you can get a Vaughn Grissom for a Camilo Duvall, and you have long-term pieces on either side that fit a little bit better. That's just off the top of the dome. Maybe I'm going to write 1,500 words on it after uh, a hangout. <laughs> I mean, the thing about someone like Vaughn Grissom is he was in a, uh, an 11th-round pick, right? And mm-hmm. uh, out of high school, he's still super young. He's played a total of... 74 games at double A. Or no, I'm sorry. No, less than that. 22 games at double A. That's it. And so all of his experience, and yes, he hit 363, but that's uh, in 22 games. And he's he's hit wherever he's gone, but he's only had t- 22 games plus 40 at the big league level above A ball. So 
Uh, I'm not sure if you really have a, a, a feel on what his true talent level is. Obviously, he uh, just a couple of years ago he was an 11th round pick. So um, you know, I, and I guess that would uh, the Giants' uh, analogy would be to Vaughn Brown, their own Vaughn. Uh, he's a guy who's a 10th round pick. Um, you know, I've, I've written about him. He was sort of lightly regarded. He is um, a really super late bloomer. And he had some of the best tools in all of minor league baseball uh, and, and tore up two levels last uh, this past season or this this season. Uh, what's his trade value right now? I, I don't know if if, uh, if if a player like Vaughn Grissom is someone that you would um, take a look at and see as a sure bet everyday position player just because the, the track record is so thin. Uh, but I, I like the way you're thinking. I think you have to look for teams that are – either contending where there's a surplus or you have to look at, you know, because it's going to be contending teams that uh, that are going to want a top flight closer. You don't put a hood ornament on a jalopy. So I could definitely see like the three team thing that you mentioned that it could possibly be um, where you trade like a, a, a piece like Duvall to a contender. You get the prospects and then you move the prospects somewhere else. Uh, to get the position player that you really want, that that could I, I love three team trades. I I waited years <laughs> for Brian Sabian to make one. No. Come on, Brian, just make one three team trade. Nope, there was never any creativity. It was always one for one. Yeah, I, you know that gif where it's the guy with the beard and and there's like equations floating around his head as he looks puzzled and he's trying to solve like a great mystery. I have seen that one. Yes, that is what I've been doing the whole last couple of minutes because you said Vaughn Grissom and Vaughn Brown. And if the Giants get uh, Vaughn and Vaughn, they'd have Vaughn's and they were previously owned by the CEO of Safeway. And so I'm that gift trying to make a joke comparison between Vaughn's and Safeway. And it's just not working. And it would have derailed the podcast. So thank God I didn't step in that that uh, mess. I think you just did. Um, no, no, I avoided it. I by, by by going meta, I did not make the joke. So if if Vaughn Grissom and Vaughn Brown are playing in like a split squad game in surprise, do Vaughn and Vaughn get on the van? Vaughn and Vaughn get on the van. I would like two Vaughns. Uh, that would that would please me. Uh, that would be like the two Steve Ontiveroses. Maybe not as good. It's not as good as two Steve Ontiveroses or two Ryan Bronze. Or uh, I love a good uh, uh, name parallel like that. But uh, two Vaughns on one team would be I don't know, kind of fun. I I'm all aboard on Vaughn Grissom. Uh, let's let's see how he fits in the lineup right now. I I just think that we need to make sure that Scott Harris can trade the other Wilmer Flores to the Giants because two Wilmer Floreses would just be great. That would be awesome. Uh, Sorry, William Sapphire says it's uh, Wilmer's Flores. (laughs) Right, Attorneys General Wilmer's Flores. Yes, Yes. that that is acceptable. Um, yeah, so I, I listen, I, I am not advocating for trading Camilla Duvall as far as it's it's a thought experiment. It is what do the Giants have to trade? And if a team does like a, a prospect like uh, Vaughn Brown or if a team is saying, you know what, we also believe in Luis Matos and we still think he's a top 100 prospect. Yeah, if you find one of these and the, the fit is there, the fit is there. But I'm thinking about because when you really when you take a spin around the worst teams, Man, they ain't got nothing to trade. Like, there's a reason why they're the worst teams. Like, what are you gonna pilfer from uh, the A's? I, well, I guess you have Sean Murphy on the A's. I don't want to. I don't want to be smirched these fine teams. Uh, but there's a reason that the Nationals are losing 101 games. They just they don't have the pieces where you slide them in, and all of a sudden the Giants are way better. So you have to sort of think outside uh, the box and, and look at the teams that are good and might want to make some sort of a lateral upgrade. Yeah, it's either you're trading prospects for players that are getting expensive or players that 
are good on non-contending teams that they really can't get the utility out of them because by the time you know those contending teams might be somewhat decent those players will be gone or yeah you're doing the three-team deal and trying to get um you know the the player um you're trying to get prospects to to get the other players some i don't i don't know see this is why i'm bad at this i i'm not making three-team trades i'm talking to you so we'll let the the we'll let uh, farhan figure it out but but yeah, there's. I, I I just really wonder what the trade landscape is going to be like because these teams haven't been able to talk trade all last off season. They 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 are they're probably dying to to share a bunch of ideas and stuff. But maybe they're a little bit rusty too. Uh, I just got a text. You you were just fired as GM uh, because of oh. that last that last bit. Oh no. Oh, it was fun while it lasted. Do I get yeah. the prorated portion of my salary? Uh, no. Oh, Sorry. Darn. All right. Okay. All right. Well, this has been episode 217 of the Bags and Brisbee podcast. We will be back next Monday, I do believe. And I, I, I think we have like two more podcasts before we head into the offseason. And if the Giants do sign uh, Aaron James Judge or BAJ, as you might know him, uh, we will have an emergency <laughs> podcast. Uh, and we'll, we'll check in when in the offseason. But I think we have two more left. So uh, let's put it all on the table. Uh, all right. You're rehired as GM. We'll figure it Thank out. Thank you. Next you're, making a, you're making this big assumption, though. You're making a big assumption that the Giants don't win out and the Phillies don't lose seven of eight and the Brewers don't lose six of seven. So wait, all right. Now we have to hash this out just for a second. It has to be the Phillies, right? Because if the Phillies... No, I guess they, it could be the Brewers. If the Phillies just lose out, then the Giants would leapfrog them and it wouldn't be a tiebreaker. Okay. Yeah, and these are two teams. I don't know. They're flawed. I don't think the Giants are that much worse than either of these two teams. It would be uh, funny. I think the Giants are, they won the season series against both the Phillies and the Brewers. They hold the tiebreaker against both teams. Now, they yeah. probably won't get into a tie uh, because if the Brewers win uh, two games, then there's no way the Giants can catch them. If the Phillies win two games, there's no way the Giants can catch them. And by the way, the Giants have to win out for that to happen anyway. So, yeah, it's uh, this is a total Lloyd Christmas situation here. Uh, you're saying there's a chance. Yes, but not really. Um, but yeah, I, I think you'll look back at the end of the year and be like, you know what? The Giants were just as good as the Phillies. They were just as good as the Brewers. They actually beat them head to head. So yeah, they kind of got in their own way a little too much. But you know, they, they could have easily been a playoff team this year. I went back to the 1998 Giants schedule and I went down to see how far back they were at one point in the wild card race. And the one link is clicked. I can tell, you know, it's a different color. And so I, I've had this thought before. I don't think it was recent, but uh, they were three and a half back of the Mets with eight to play. Uh, not great, but like way better than, than it is right now. That And to me, that was like the all-time, like, I can't believe they actually forced a game 163 and with Brant Brown's help. Uh, it's it's a little bit more dire than that now. So, Ooh, Brant Brown. Ooh, bad memories, bad memories. All right, we will be back next week uh, to talk about the playoff-bound Giants. See you then.